Acts chapter 11, and uh, tonight we'll be looking at uh, how the church cares for one another, and really it's by God's direction. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul wrote this. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we understand that as Paul's writing, that he's talking about all of us as individuals, uh, as Christians. But really, that's the case of the church. The church stands as something that's completely different from any other institution that's made of man uh, that the world's ever seen. In fact, the, uh, the first century church, they really learned this principle by experience as God started fashioning something new out of this group of Jewish believers. And as we saw in chapter 8, all the way through chapter 11, how you start to see the Lord expanding the work and there were Gentiles that began to uh, grow into the faith. Here in Acts 11, Luke continues on the theme of a new work among the Gentiles by God's direction. He kind of does it in three ways. First off, in verses 1 to 18, he looks at uh, the church of Jerusalem accepting the Gentiles. Secondly, in verses 19 to 26, he looks at the church aiding Gentiles abroad. And lastly, in verses 27 to 30, uh, we see the Gentiles get to return the favor and they aid the church at Jerusalem. So let's go ahead and dive in. Acts 11.1 1. says, Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with them, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. Now when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house, where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, and he told us, how he'd seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Now when they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God, saying, Well, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of, the men, some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he had came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with the purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And in these days... Prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, 
And then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So first, in verses 1 to 18, we see the Jerusalem church is moved to accept the Gentiles. First off, in verse 1, we see that the church in Judea had already heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. And so we see that news was quickly spreading, as, as quickly as news spread in those days, not quite the same as today. And what this did is it created a difficult situation for the Jerusalem church. Because the Jews at this time were already on edge after the Hellenists and Stephen were a part of the church from previously. And now we see that news of Peter preaching to the Gentiles arrives there. And that would only flame certain uncertainties that they had. You remember they were Christians, but certain attitudes die quickly. Uh, don't die so quickly as we would like, rather. And so we have the Jews here gathering to get after Peter as soon as he gets there, really. And so as he arrives, we see the Jews were seeing God's work and they were going to finally see it with their own eyes here. It says they, they get to Peter here and their greeting is rather a contention, it tells us, that they greeted him and contended with him when he came back because of these Gentiles that, that ate with him. It was a dispute. It was an argument. Um, how civil it was, we don't know. I assume civil enough. But these Jewish believers, at any rate, were at odds with Peter because he violated that ritual purity that we know the law demanded. And so they got in his face and said, what are you doing? How, how can you do this? Um, never a good feeling, really, when that happens. And see, the issue really with them is that they felt that keeping the law was still vital. That it's something they had to do. They hadn't left that behind yet. And... They also felt that the Jews really didn't have a whole lot of business associated with Gentiles any more than they really had to. And so they still kind of felt, well, we, we got to, you know, keep things kind of separate. I mean, even even with the temple, we had like this, this separation, right? They could worship, but only worship in certain parts. And so they really were born out of this, this attitude. And it was no different than the stuff that Jesus dealt with during his ministry in Luke 15, too. Uh, it tells that the Pharisees and scribes complained about Jesus, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So the same thing over and over again with religious people. You know, we have to guard against what people think so that it doesn't influence our walk with God and obedience to him. Because when we let those kinds of things filter in, inevitably we'll do wrong. And really, we start to respect men more than God, and we forget that, that we're serving the Lord. We, we serve people and love people on account of God living inside of us. And so then we have to watch ourselves and, and really self-examine that we have God's perspectives really about the way that we should live as individuals, about the way that we should be living and acting and serving as a church body and the way that a church should even be governed. And so we're always coming back to Scripture and you really align ourselves to this. Now, the Jews, for their part, the Jewish believers, weren't allowing that God might even be working among the Gentiles. You see, the way that they, they come to him, it's not like, hey, you know, we kind of heard, you know, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them, exclamation mark. Okay. I mean, they weren't happy at all. You know, we're only the people that spread the message, yeah. I think when we uh, get too important in our own eyes, we, we start to fall into all kinds of issues. And uh, I think to some degree, um, some of that carried over for, for at least a group of them. You know, we're not the ones who get to determine salvation. I think Peter really learned that in a real way when he had that vision. And the Lord said, go do it. And he's like, okay. You know, the Lord really had to you know, show Stephen, uh, show, show Peter in a real profound way that what he had thought was dead wrong. And so Peter points right back to that story here in verse 4, that his experience demonstrates that it was God's direction 
in his life. There was God's confirmation. And it was that the strength to trust in God that really led him through this process. And he points that out real clearly there. As he starts to show him, hey, the Spirit led me to do this. And look at this vision. So that you can see what happened. That I was there and the vision happened. And then I said, Lord, what about this? And he said, don't worry about that, Pete. It doesn't matter. He says, don't, don't call what I've cleansed unclean. And so Peter figures, okay, well, you know, I guess it's the Lord. And then sure enough, the confirmation comes right after. See, it was important for Peter to demonstrate that this isn't his deal. That he didn't come up with this. I'm always nervous about when people are teaching or even when we have to get up and teach. And, you know, you want to stay away from your own opinions. Yeah. You want to keep things scriptural. Hmm. Peter was doing his best here. In fact, Peter even points out to them, he says, you know, when the Lord first spoke to me, I didn't want to. I said, not so. I was reluctant. Just like, just like you guys are. You, you didn't want to move on that. And you see, this credibility, I think, was critical for them to hear from Peter. And obviously, the Lord chose Peter to bring this for that very reason. Because, well, Peter was a good Jew. You know, he, uh, he tried to be a, a, as good as he could. But, you know, the reality is he's going to show them that God changed even his view. You know, this is often the case after we've walked with God for any amount of time. That he starts to change the way that we see certain things. The way that we conceived of certain things. The way that we looked at people. The problem is we're unwilling to budge from what we know, know already. And, you know, the reality is that the only real truth that there is is the truth that comes out of Scripture. And everything else, we, we, I think we're monkeying with things as people. And so that we need to value the Lord in such a way that we submit to everything that we know of him through the word as we study and as we read and as we spend time in prayer. And, and I think that was, that was key for Peter here as he was sitting there. And if we go back to when this first happened to him, he was sitting there, he was praying. Yeah. Just sitting there praying to the Lord. And then the Lord just got him and laid it on him. But notice that God not only gives him direction, but then God confirms it. By doing exactly what he said what he was going to do. And so he says that Cornelius' account was eerily similar to Peter's here. As Cornelius gets there. And it says these three guys were there in verse 11. And they start to, to talk to him. And they tell him. He says, hey, you know, they, God told us. That we're going to go get you, Peter. And you're going to come and you're going to talk to us. And tell us, tell us about, about God. That must have blown Peter's mind. I mean, I can't say I've ever experienced anything like that. It, it, would, it would floor me. Hmm. But, you know, th this is what happened. You know, it's interesting that when, when you've been married for a while, um, as a couple, you'll oftentimes pray independently for something in order that, that God might have space to speak to you, that he would show himself to each spouse that the Lord might confirm things. And our God is big enough to work in that space if we allow him. And so we need to be willing to, to give him space. We need to be willing to submit to him in prayer. And we see that that happens continually through the book of Acts. These people keep going to the well. That they spend that time in prayer. That's what they were doing when the Holy Spirit fell on them at Pentecost. Sitting there together, gathered in prayer. And so often we need to be the ones that get out of the way as we're serving. Because as we put more of ourselves into it, uh, invariably we pollute it. And we have to trust that God's going to confirm the things that he teaches us in our lives. So that if we pray and we truly seek him and keep ourselves out, that he's going to give the direction that we need. So that whatever situation we're in, we pray and we seek and we see what the Lord's going to do. And he'll surprise us. And when we see it, you know, be like, okay, Lord, that, that was totally you. Because that's not the way I would have dealt with it. Not at all. And I think that the that Lord sent Cornelius to him was key for Peter. And then it says that when he went there, he went and he began to speak to them. It says, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. It says, then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, when they received that Holy Spirit and were baptized, 
that they believed in the gospel, he understood what that meant. He understood that the Spirit was a seal for any believer. Okay, And that recollection that Jesus had told him that they would be able to baptize in the Holy Spirit more than just a water baptism, more powerful than the baptism of John. You know, so Lord speaking to Peter as it all happens. It's not often we get insight like this in Scripture where someone can walk us through what's happening. Maybe sometimes that happens as, you know, as we're sharing with one another what things that the Lord has done and how the Lord just speaks to you right in the middle of something. And that's exactly what happened here in, in Acts 11. And God will do this to us. Sometimes we'll be speaking to somebody, sharing the word, and we don't know what to say, and the Lord just reminds you of something. And there it is. And then afterwards, you know, like, hey, that wasn't me. You know, that was the Lord. Hmm. I'm telling you, I think every study is like that. We forget things in the Lord, but the Spirit's faithful. I mean, Jesus promised that to the disciples when he sent them out to serve. He says, don't worry about preparing the things that you have to get ready to say. You know, he says, I'll give you words when you need Make sure that you're taken care of. You see, that there was a scriptural foundation for what happened with these Gentiles was a key part of this. There was no way the Jewish Christians could argue against that. Because as Peter went back to what the Lord had said, were they going to say, well, you know that Jesus guy? <laughs> you can't really say that. I mean, maybe you might say like, well, you know, that Xavier, that Tony, every once in a while, you get a little, you know. Yeah, but... The Lord's different. You know, um, getting back to that scripture and to the confirmation, it's a safeguard in our lives when we're seeking God. And when God's leading us to places, as he so often does, to places that we've never been before. And so while we might know an outline or a sketch of where God's taking us, as he confirms things, it's that assurance that, okay, I'm walking the way I should be walking. And I'm being obedient in the way that that I've heard. Whether it's by the word or by revelation, the Lord does this in our life all the time. And I'm thankful that he does. It, it keeps us walking in faith, really. Because otherwise, we'd, we'd probably get complacent. You know, we tell uh, the kids out there and the youth all the time, they say, you know, you, you guys need to be praying. You know, what does God, how does God want to use you? You know, where do you want to, where do you want to be? Lord wants you to go to school. Lord wants you to go to work. Does he want you to stay low? I mean, what does he want out of you? You know, you have to be seeking him in these things. And God's not just going to give you a roadmap and say, there you go. Just follow the dotted line and you can get to X marks the spot. You're there. Um, but he tells us just enough, right? Just enough. Enough to keep us moving. When you seek God, do you, do you seek him in faith? Are you looking for those kinds of confirmations? Are you looking to the Bible as your standard in these things? Because oftentimes, you know, we fall into trusting in other people, yeah? We're like, well, what happened with you? And we, we love hearing what other people have to say. You know, because we're like, oh, they're like us. <laughs> and there's something tangible in that. And the Lord can use that stuff. But really, the standard is always scripture. Peter, here, in his action, shows himself absolutely submissive to God's will. He says, therefore, God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on Lord Jesus. He says, who was I that I could withstand God? What an example for Peter to show these people that at first came to say, you went and you ate with who? You hung out with who? He says, no, I understood you know, it tests how committed they are to following God as he's sharing this. You know, would, would these Jewish Christians, would they fall back on their own prejudices or would they listen to what God was trying to do? Start a brand new work here. And of course, we know that when we look at Scripture, that from the beginning, the Lord has talked about reaching out to the Gentiles. The Lord had provided ways for them to get incorporated into the worship. They forgot parts of that. You know, Christians, we take them in. It doesn't matter who you are, B.C. It really doesn't. It, it, it's, there's all kinds the Lord draws in. Thank God. Because 
that diversity, and not diversity in the way the world would like to uh, see it, but in that diversity of where people start out and where the Lord brings it, it's absolutely amazing to see what God does. And I, I think in a very short amount of time, these believers that were questioning what the heck Peter was thinking would very shortly realize this. That, that, that circumcision, well... It doesn't matter so much, but the only circumcision that mattered was having that Holy Spirit. You know, later on, it will continue to be an issue. We know it doesn't die with this. Um, we know that they would begin to teach that the Gentiles would have to, you know, keep the law of Moses. And Paul would have to deal with that and tell them, hey, stop that. We know that Peter would even fall into some of that pleasing men. And, you know, how Paul talks about in Galatians, he had to tell Peter, hey, Peter, what are you doing? Says, why, why are you doing that? Are you one way with these guys? Are you another way with these guys? He says, you can't do that stuff. You know? And Peter corrected and he adjusted. But you know, the beauty of God's grace is that when he looks at it, he sees us as his because of Jesus Christ and, and all those other things, all the other identifiers don't really amount to anything. That's the love that we have to look at one another with as believers. And, and that's a tough thing. We all have our biases and our prejudices, you know, for a myriad of things. You know, you value this in a person, and they don't quite, they don't quite have that. <laughs> so, you know, maybe you'll say hi and be polite enough. But, but that's really as far as you'll go. Whereas Christ calls us to truly love our brothers and sisters in Christ. So much so that it's, it's the mark of what we are as a church, he says, that they're going to know you by your love. They're going to see that, and it's going to draw them in because they're going to say that that's not normal. That's not the way things are. Your brother in Christ might be somebody that you would never, ever speak to, someone that you'd never associate with, and they end up becoming your, your closest companions. I mean, truly, it's amazing the Lord does in his church. As this happens, it says that they heard these things, and, and they were dumbfounded. They were, they were silent. They have nothing more to say. I think that they were considering as, as they heard this and digesting and like, whoa, this, this is a new paradigm for us. And then they do what they should have done. They glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance of life. And you see, that's a complete 180. Because they realize what matters, that God saves souls. That people repented and they were never going to be the same because of it. You know, God wants the believers here to realize that in Christ, they are something different. They are something new and that's what they can afford anybody else. And that's the thing. I mean, some of you guys were clean living kind of folks anyway before you came to Christ. And some of you were criminals. <laughs> and it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, you're forgiven in Christ. He's taking care of that stuff. God's opinion matters. Do you know his opinions? You know, are you spending that time in the Word to make sure it's seeping in, that you're correcting yourself? Because it's absolutely vital for you. See, they became willing to accept that God knew better than they did, and that's really, that's what it's all about, huh? That God knows better. Because too often we think we got it wired. I mean, when you've been walking any amount of time, kind of you get comfortable you're like well you know i've read this path i've read acts a bunch of times once every year <laughs> right i've heard that lesson i've heard that study a few times right and god help us if we get to that place of complacency that god might know better than us i think that's a good thing we got to beware of being self-righteous because it's that pitfall that's there for any believer. Uh, I think that's why the ha- uh, Lord puts it on in technicolor for us in the lives of the Pharisees and these scribes and these Sadducees. They keep on coming up to Jesus. And that's us if we're not careful. We're right there. And we're going to start praying just like, thank God I'm not like that guy. Thank God I'm not like her. Uh, you know, when you mature in him, when you walk and then you allow him to use you, I think that's part of God changing the way that you're going to see people. Um, I think that's why Jesus modeled that 
how he talks about that in Mark 10:45, how he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And that that's the model. And Peter's getting this. You know, we just had that character study the other day about Peter, you know. A heck of a guy. <laughs> Always shooting his mouth off and doing something stupid. But the Lord ended up using all that stuff. The Lord ended up changing it for good. And it's because he started to leave his standard behind. So that that kind of deception wouldn't creep in. But notice here that God starts to use these these Gentiles, and the church starts to show that love in a real tangible way with them in verses 19 to 26. Here in verse 19, we see that God begins this new work among these Hellenists in Antioch. It says, now, uh, those who were scattered after the persecution arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they'd come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. So that they, they followed the tradition at first. You recall Stephen was, was martyred before this. And so these guys, they, were, they split. They, they, they had to get out of there. It was, it was too hot. And so as they went to these places, they did what they knew. And they went and preached to the, to the Jews. Hey, this is Jesus. The Messiah came. And, and he died for you. But notice, it didn't end there. Uh, the gospel so often does spreads among people and that some of the men who already were from the, these places like cyprus and cyrene ended up going to other places like antioch and they started teaching these hellenists if you, you remember hellenists were the greek-speaking jews and really the jews kind of saw them as a, a one step removed from gentiles i mean they're, they're they might as well be right and they most a lot of them didn't even know hebrew like look at these guys you know so almost almost like the samaritans if you will. And God would bring about change in the church through these people as God so often does. God's all about changing minds. He's all about using people. I mean, that's why when Paul talks in 1 Corinthians about the people that God uses, he says he doesn't call many people who are noble. He doesn't call, cause people to come and convince others with words of wisdom. He says, but it's, he said, I came to you in demonstration of the Spirit. And uh, he a purpose, he said, to know nothing else among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he says as an example to them because they've fallen into those things that were just carnal, really. That, that, that was true, even this early in the church. And so these obedient men and women, they went and they preached the word to anybody that would really hear it. Anyone that was around, they're going to tell them. And that's what it's about is sharing with anyone who's willing to hear. Because there's, there's sometimes, you know, you see somebody and they're like, oh, they need the Lord, right? You're like, I want to share with them. And there's never an open door, right? You're like, all right, Lord. And there's somebody you don't even care about. <laughs> and the Lord throws the door wide open. And you're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I go to church on Sundays. Really? What, what is that? <laughs> and before you know, you're praying with them. And the Lord, you know, the Lord's funny. God was with these, these people as they were serving, it says, and as they were teaching. It says, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed, and they turned to the Lord. As the Lord was, in effect, the one accomplishing the work, eh, which is the way it really should be. And they started bearing fruit in their ministries. These people came to the Lord, and the church was growing where they were at. See, that's the thing. That fruit bearing, that's key. That our fruit are demonstrating what the Lord has done in us. That has to happen. You know, you, you'll know that you're doing what God wants by, by that fruit of love. That's the primary fruit. And then everything else that follows after it. And, and I, I think that these, these guys, they, they were on fire. They're out there and, and they were loving on people. And they were sharing the word. And people were responding as so often happens. You know, it's like even as Paul's talking about that in Galatians, he says, there is no law against that stuff. He says, you serve God and you're doing everything that you should be doing. But also the church here um, was responsible in really examining what was happening in Antioch. So they heard about it, it says, and news came to them, to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, 
and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. So again, new things are happening, eventually gets to the big church. And so they figure, well, let's go send someone reliable to check on things and really see what's going on and to encourage people, make sure they know the word as, as they should. And sometimes the Lord will bring some of us along who have been in the, in the word and with the Lord for years to come along and meet someone who's a new Christian and be able to disciple them and give them, you know, whatever they need at a certain time. Sometimes it's just a short amount of time that you have with them. And the Lord uses that. Well, the Lord did this here at the Jerusalem churches. They'd really taken it upon themselves to oversee the growth of these other churches. And as they started dispatching people at different locations, we see apostles and elders of these Christian communities going out to different places in the Mediterranean. And so they choose Barnabas here to go out as far as Antioch. And Barnabas is going to be a key figure here in the book of Acts. Uh, we know that Barnabas was a Greek-speaking Jew that he had come from Cyprus. And he had this reputation in, in the church because, well, like his name says, he had the gift of encouragement. And he really, even earlier, when people were selling off their stuff, he, he sold it all and said, hey, and none of this stuff matters. He was completely committed to Christ and to the gospel. And he was ready to do whatever the Lord wanted him to do. And so they call on this man to go out to Antioch and start checking on things. And we know when he's there, he's going to encounter Paul. And of course, he's going to be the first one to reach out to Paul before anybody else. And really, in a way, take him under his wing and then start serving alongside of him. And he would be the first to disciple Gentiles from this Jerusalem church. And the Lord chose him out out of all this because of the man who he was by the Spirit of the Lord and by that power. You know, Barnabas is a neat guy. He goes out there and says what he saw was the grace of God among them. He knew immediately he saw them. He's like, this is Lord. <laughs> this is legit. And we know what that looks like. We know what it looks like when somebody's walking. We know what it looks like when somebody doesn't walk as well. But he saw that reflected in their lives with that grace that God had given to them in giving them a new life. And I hope that God, you know, that God is doing that in our lives and that people see that. That people see the grace of God. And, uh, you know, that that draws them in. At the very least, it makes them accountable because they know why, Hopefully. This is what Barnabas sees as he gets there. And notice his reaction. He was glad and he encouraged them all. He says that with the purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. He was just, man. He, he rejoiced with them. That they knew the Lord. And that he saw the Lord working in other people. And the Lord started showing Barnabas, hey, or this, this thing's going to keep going here. It, it's not going to stop where you think it's not just an israeli thing you know he had noticed he he does what he does using his gifts it says he he encouraged them he exhorted them he admonished them that they would continue to walk continue to grow that they would follow the lord that the lord would be their very desire that the lord would be the direction for their heart you know one thing i like about barnabas is the guy seems to have no preconceived notions about what's going on about who he goes and he sees and he lets it speak for itself. And he says, all right, Lord, this is what you're doing. And so he says, how can I help? What does he do? He seeks to encourage those who come to belief in Christ. You know, those of you who have the gift of encouragement, it is so important. It's not one of those things that's necessarily highly visible, right? I mean, you're not out there and casting out demons or... <laughs> You're not healing the sick. But the Lord's using that in amazing ways. And people, people live and die by that stuff. I mean, truly. They really do. So important. Do you seek to be a blessing to others in any way you can? Some of you in here are, are really amazing examples of that. You, uh, the Lord uses you to bless other people. That's good. The rest of us have to remind ourselves to do that. Um, you know, we really have to work on it and allow the Lord to rule for that to happen. And I pray that we each commit ourselves to, to reaching out to others any way we can. Because I, I think 
as we see these examples with Barnabas and others, that they're doing it. That they're extending. Barnabas has lost everything he's had already. He gave it up. He said, all right, it's done. None of this amounts to anything anymore. In Galatians 6, 1, it says this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So then bear one, another, bear one another's burdens, it says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And, and that's what we're looking to do. That as we see people who are hurting, that we're coming alongside and, and giving them what the Lord needs to give them. That if he needs to show them love, if he needs us to correct, whatever he needs, that we allow him to do that. And then as we do so, we know we're doing this always in that spirit of gentleness, that we're going and we're helping people as they need the help that they need. Hmm. You know, when your life is focused on others, it's, it changes you. I, I think Barnabas, uh, Barnabas understood this. A, a lot of what he was, uh, the Lord used him for had to do because he loved people in the way that God loves them. That's what we need to do. And the world tries to approximate this, right? They, they try to be good. They want to help other people. Sometimes. Not for the reasons that we do. They want to help people because they want to feel good about themselves. But we do so because we're, we have an eye towards eternity. Because we understand the gravity of the situation that we're in. And so our prayer is that we're, we're following this example of men and women like Barnabas and Acts. Notice that as Barnabas is doing this, he's directing them to God. Okay, Barnabas isn't saying, hey, do what I do, right? Listen to me. He's saying, no. He says, you guys, you guys need to go to God and you need to walk. He says, he was a man full of the Spirit. He says, a great many people were added to the Lord, you know, as all of this was happening. He says, they need to continue with the Lord back there in verse 23. And that's what we do. We're not telling them, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn you a thing or two. We're letting the Lord really use us just to direct us, direct others back to him. He, he knew the source of success was hinged on Christ. He knew that from personal experience. And so he could not say anything else. How are you encouraging others? Are you directing them to Christ? Don't give them anything else. I mean, don't. If it's not Jesus, then then what's it matter? You know, the only one we see in Scripture who says otherwise is Paul. And he only says it because he's following Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says, knowing that, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, that, it, you know, as he's walking, as they're walking, that they know there's a certain end waiting for them. There's this expectation like Sam was talking about during worship. And, and that's what we're directing people towards. We're not looking to give them a book. <laughs> right? Here, read this. You'll feel better afterwards. You know, Go talk to this person. They make you feel really good. That, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about letting the Lord deal with people. And deal with our hearts. Because that's always the issue. And the Lord wants to deal with that if we let him. And, and Barnabas as he's speaking to them. He's saying hey you guys keep walking the Lord. And Barnabas's character speaks for itself here. It tells us that he was a good man. He was full of the spirit and the faith. It doesn't tell us that you know. He was a perfect man. It doesn't tell us that you know. He was really well behaved. He was full of the Holy Spirit. The Lord was enabling him to do this. He wasn't doing it in his own energy. That's how we have to live every day. That's how we have to live every day. You know, when you're getting out of that car to go to work, that you're just lifting it up like, Lord, you know, only do this by your strength. You know, it doesn't matter how skilled you are or how good you've become at it or how wired you got, you have to have the Lord there with you. You have to let him work in that space because he wants to. And, of course, Barnabas here had that, faith strong enough that he was strengthened in order to strengthen others. He, that, that's a faithful servant. That's a faithful servant. That he allows the Lord to work in him so the Lord can use him to work in other people. That's the only way it happens. You're not going to be able 
to disciple other people. You're not going to be able to lead other people to Christ if you're not walking the way that you need to be walking. So you be ready. You be prepared. It's kind of like, you know, being the backup quarterback. You don't know when, when the guy is going to get hurt, when they're going to call you in and go do something. So you better be ready. Because then when you, got, you get called into that game, coach saying, all right, go get him. <laughs> and the Lord, the Lord's going to use us. Sometimes it seems like the Lord isn't. But we, have, we know that he's faithful. Just, we just have to make sure that he's that master passion of our lives. That he's that decision maker. And we see, as we go along here, we see these people's lives, how the Lord is saving people. And the Lord like prepares people in the same way that he did with Saul. You know, Saul went and he got prepared. And we see this multiple times in people's lives in Christ. It says that the Lord used Barnabas in order to grow that church there. It says many people were added to the Lord. That's neat. That the Lord blessed that there were so many people saved. I mean, Barnabas ended up having to go get help. I mean, he goes to Tarsus and gets grabbed Saul and says, "Come on, we gotta. We, we need some help over here. There's a lot of them. You know, Antioch was its its own deal entirely. It was a really big city. It was cosmopolitan. You know." It was along major trade routes and there are all kinds of different people there. And, and it's neat because as this, as this place is growing, you've got to think that it just reflected all the different kinds of folks that were around. It was, it, was, it was like a rainbow running around in there, all these different kinds of folks. And, you know, this is, this is really the way the Lord ended up using what the Romans had already done in order to spread the gospel. As it hopped from place to place, it was invariably in places like Antioch and Ephesus and Corinth, where the gospel just spread out. You know, people hopped on those Roman roads and they took the gospel to the next spot, and then the next spot, and the next spot. And it's neat the way the Lord does this, how he moves within, you know, this world to work in people's lives. It's a model for us today. Be careful what you do on social media. That's the Roman road, if you will. And you're out there. Be careful what you're liking and be careful what, what you're posting and reposting and sharing. Probably the less you do that, the better. And if you do encourage people to the Lord, you know. Um, it's not just something that we got to remind the kids of. We got to remind ourselves of that very same thing. It's it's crazy. As easily as a place like Antioch could turn for the Lord, we know what it is apart from God. We know what it looks like. It says here that God ended up using Barnabas to train Saul as he goes and he picks him up. He had found them and he brought them to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and they taught a great many people. You know, that, that work was growing so much that when he gets his help from Saul... You know, it, it forged this bond that we know would eventually lead to Paul going on his missionary journeys. But it's because Barnabas was the only one who went out to meet him, really, when he came to Jerusalem, if you remember, after his conversion, right? He's the guy that went out and said, hey, you know, I'll go talk to this guy. And sure enough, you know, the guy was, the guy was saved. He was legit. He went and he brings him there. And it says that their business was to teach people the word. And they discipled people, learning the basics, no doubt, of what it was to be a Christian. Of, you know, how to live in, in, a, in a pagan world. And what that looked like. I mean, so much of what happens in the New Testament is teaching people how to do that kind of thing. And it's what we go back to, you know, as we need guidance all the time. And as the Lord is using Paul and Barnabas in these people's lives, no doubt the Lord is preparing Paul and Barnabas for what he's about to ask them to do as they're going to go out to different places and start hopping around from place to place. This would be the place where they're going to recognize their calling from God. You know, you never know where God wants you headed until you get things going. So it's so important to serve actively. It's so important to be busy about the Lord's business so important to be involved 
You know, you don't have to be leading a Bible study or anything, but you need to be busy about the Lord's business. You need to be serving. You need to make sure that you're available so that he can use you. Because as he does that, he's not just using you in that time and space, but he's going to use you for something else. You know, years ago, when I was younger, I know some of you guys think I'm a kid. And uh, when I was really a kid, I remember, um, you know, not knowing any better, just kind of praying like, Lord, you know, I, you know, I, I guess I want to be used. Yeah, you know, I'm a Christian and, and all that. And, and I remember my parents had served in, well, they still serve my parents in the children's ministry. And so, you know, I was stuck here for two services all of a sudden. So it's like, all right, you sit, you, you're, you know, you hear Tony twice and, you know, he doesn't change the jokes from one to the next. <laughs> and so I remember a friend of mine who had just started be, uh, who was a musician and started serving in the music ministry and was serving with Frank Valdez, if you remember Frank, and said, hey, you know, why don't you guys, why don't you like, you know, come help us, go do some hand motions. I said, all right, yeah, I, I guess, you know. It must have been the Lord, because that's not normal for a teenage boy to go on to do that. But the Lord ended up using that. And it, it's neat, because in all the spots, you know, all of you guys have similar stories as you're walking. You see how the Lord uses you in a place for a time, and then how you use that to prepare you for the next thing and the next thing. And it's neat to be able to see that because you just got started going, because you just got moving. And uh, there's no way that Barnabas knew at the beginning that he was going to end up with Paul, the apostle, and start going and planting churches all over the place. He didn't know that. Now, the Lord told Paul, hey, you're going to be the apostle of the Gentiles. I don't think Paul understood exactly what that meant. He was like, oh, okay, you know, well, I can't really see anything right now, but okay, <laughs> you know. Um, but the Lord's going to do that in our lives. This place grew, and of course, it tells us here that awesome fact that they were first called Christians, little Christ, in this very place. Because of the testimony they had built. Because of the effect that they were having in their community. When they don't like you, it's a good thing. Yeah, as a Christian. That's a really good thing. You know, not hopefully that you're being annoying or obnoxious. But that they know that you really are one of those weirdos that believes in, in a God. That you believe that this Jesus guy was real that, and that he really died and he's alive still. Because they intended this as mockery. But really, it comes to identify us all. And what better testimony to have, right, than to be called little Christ? If only. Here in verse 27 to 30, we see that the Lord starts to use uh, this church at Antioch. It tells us here in verse 27 that God warned them of a Judean famine. So we have these prophets that were going back and forth from Jerusalem to Antioch. And of course, they were prophets. They did teach. And prophecy is not always seeing the future. In this case, um, it does happen. But it's neat because, you know, as we go through the book of Acts, we see all these different gifts demonstrated throughout that's why when you know a bunch of you have sat through the new believers we can go through and pull them all out from all the different things that these people are doing it's pretty neat and so agabus gets there and he tells them and says by the direction of the holy spirit there's going to be this famine so that they were told this is going to be the issue it's going to hit judea really really hard and we're thinking this is in the years between 45 and 48 a.d um somewhere around there because there, there was a famine that we think occurred during that time. And that God wanted them to know so that they could respond accordingly. God lets us know things sometimes so that we can act on it. Okay? Sometimes God wants you to pray about it. Sometimes God wants you to go actually do something physically. Okay? But God will speak to us about people and situations so long as we're ready to, and open to hear and then to follow his direction. And they heard this and they, they knew what they had to do. Notice their generosity here. It says that each of the disciples gave according to his ability and they determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. See, they knew, they said, that, that's, that's the Papa Church, right? And from them, you know, people like Barnabas came out and they encouraged us and they blessed us. It's our turn to be able to bless them. And that's the way the body works. Huh? We, get, we get to serve one another. 
If you think about all the people that have been a blessing to you in your life, that the Lord would use you to bless them is pretty cool. It's a neat thing. And, you know, they showed that they recognized um, that God really saw them as being part of that same body by, by giving like this. Okay. That the Lord was creating unity despite the fact that they were separated by hundreds and thousands of miles, some of these churches, from one another. And yet there was this unity that extended beyond that. And we see that even today as we hear about the things that happen to believers in places like Iran and China and also around the world. And when you hear that stuff, you know. You're like, that's one of my brothers and sisters who's dealing with that kind of stuff. Because the Lord's bonded us together. Then it transcends geography or culture or any of that stuff. That unity is key. It's what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, when he says that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. That there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He says, it's all Jesus. He says, that's the binding thing. That's what draws us in, and that's what binds us together. How do we minister to our brothers and sisters? They were supporting each other. In this case, with having the basics of being able to eat. And so they gather this offer and they send it in verse 30 by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Okay, Once it was all ready for them. Uh, we think this might be the visit to Jerusalem that Paul talks about in Galatians 2.1. It's, it's probably a little more than likely there. But at any rate, they were entrusted to take it. And so we see that it comes full circle. That God... God wants a church to operate like this. They were able to bless one another as individuals and even as bodies, you know. And too often we allow things to stop us, and that shouldn't be as a church, but rather that we are extending ourselves for one another, that we expose ourselves really for each other, because that's the Lord what have us do. Let's pray. Lord, Father, we thank you for your loving goodness, and our prayer, Lord, is that um, that you'd bless the rest of our evening, Lord, that as, as we go home, that your spirit would bring to recollection the things that we need when we need it. Or we're thankful that, uh, that you love us and that you want to keep teaching us. We pray that we'd be teachable. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the body that we have here. In Jesus' name, amen.